0: Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by HipstersOfTheCoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at Patreon.com slash Leaving a Legacy. Magic is power. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick. I am your legacy newbie. And with me this week, Snowdin... Jerry, me. What's up, Jerry?
1: Oh, not much, Pat. You know, I'm just uh, taking my pot and scooping it full of snow and <laughs> boiling it for water. Like it's the blizzard of '78 the yeah. year. <laughs> yeah. So
0: I, th- I thought you were actually talking about weed when you said pot, and I didn't. <laughs> I wasn't following you at first. I'm like, why would you put all that <laughs> snow on your weed?
1: Well, there is, there is, there is a thing called, uh, you know, a snow bong. But I'll leave that to our listeners' oh, imagination geez. before we lose our uh, PG rating. <laughs> so how you been man i've been good i've been good been uh playing a bunch of magic online you know still wishing I could play some paper, but <sighs> yeah get, uh, get my kicks in on uh some magic, trying some new stuff out mm-hmm. uh but yeah, it's been
0: good. What about you? Oh, you know same old same old i've been i haven't had any personal time for magic, but uh actually i I should have because my mom took the kids for me for the whole weekend, like I asked her if she could watch them for Saturday night. And then that she's like, oh, I'll just keep them Sunday night too. I'm like, all right. And now she's keeping them tonight as well. So I haven't had kids in my house in three Plays,
1: days. Play some Magic I Live. Finish shoveling and then play some Magic I Yeah. Online. So,
0: so about. Two two or three weeks ago, I started experimenting with edibles, and uh, so a lot of my free time has been taken up by just enjoying that process. <laughs> you know, those aren't mutually exclusive. Like your your win rate might go down, but <laughs> I, I don't know if it can get much lower than it than it presently is at. But uh, it might be might be worth doing. Um, but yeah, I've been enjoying that quite a bit. So uh, I love living in the free state of Massachusetts. You know what I mean. Been a, it's been a very enjoyable. The
1: libertarian state of Massachusetts. What's the yeah.
0: <laughs> the libertarian paradise? Yeah, it was it was so free that Ian couldn't ha- couldn't handle it. And had to move to fucking Ohio.
1: I mean, Ian Ian does hate freedom. He does our uh, our dead notorious friend. notorious
0: freedom hater Ian Ian McCune. Yep, I had to leave Massachusetts. I understand. <laughs> but yeah, man, it's been a it's been a good. Um, I, I I I was talking to you because you out of all my friends, you're probably the most knowledgeable. Uh, reliable with 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 stuff like that so i know we, you and i were going back and forth for a while about how much how much is appropriate and i i settled on a really good like uh a really good method for me so it's been uh it's been reliable and enjoyable so
1: yeah. good now when you when you when you use that method and you sit down in your comfy chair what i want you to do is i want you to take a laptop top out and open it uh, up and and launch magic online. so i might
0: do that tonight <laughs> honestly because i again no kids and i'm probably not going to work tomorrow because we're getting like 12 to 18 inches tonight so uh, yep. there's a there's a high probability that i'm just not gonna go into work tomorrow and i might just fucking be high <laughs> all day and play fucking magic online <laughs> And, and my hit, wife's got to go to work tomorrow and she works at the hospital. She can't call out. So I might just be by myself for the entire day. Hit me up. We'll play Doomsday. Oh, it'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But yeah, it's been uh, it's been good, man. So I've uh, been spending some quality time with the wife and uh just you know, enjoying enjoying so, a few nights kid-free, but uh it's been good. Uh, I'm 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 a little bit uh we we kind of talked about it in the pre-show. We didn't record it obviously, but about the Legacy metagame right now and I think it's getting a little frustrating for people I'm, because I'm kind of oblivious to what's going on right now online. Uh, I haven't had a lot of familiarity with it, but I assume it's just a lot of Rug Oko decks.
1: Yeah, so we noticed the numbers were, were kind of down yep. in the Legacy Leagues. And my personal theory is I just think a bunch of Legacy players are just trying stuff out besides Legacy right now. I know I am. Mm-hmm. So I actually fired up my first ever Vintage League, uh, you oh. know, talking to Roll. Talking to Roland last uh, week Mm -hmm. really kind of inspired me, Mm -hmm. so I fired up my my first vintage league, and I ran into Bryant Cook (laughs) in round one, and then some other like like I just saw a bunch of like legacy players in the vintage, so I feel. I feel a lot of legacy players right now are playing vintage. They're playing uh, like drafts. They're doing mm-hmm. the cube. They're just like, I think people are just really sick of this legacy metagame right yeah. now, and they're just kind of gravitating towards other formats to pass the time. And that's why we're seeing, you know, low turnout numbers mm-hmm. in, in the uh, the tournament. Yeah, I think
0: the challenge. We were gonna go over the challenge, but I think there was only fifty something in the challenge, so not even like a full sixty four, uh, if I'm not mistaken, which was kind of surprising.
1: Yeah, which I really hope Wizards takes as a sign of people are sick of Oko and not
0: they're sick of Legacy. It, it, I, I I don't know what they're doing honestly, and like because, because I feel I feel like I don't have much room to argue because I've been playing like literal zero Magic Online Legacy, so I don't really know what the meta is like. But and and because I'm not on Twitter and I don't really follow like the subreddit that much, I don't see the the complaining if there is complaining, but. I, I think just looking at the numbers from the challenge, I just, I was a little surprised by that. And I like again, I don't follow it super super closely. So, um, yeah, I hope uh, I hope they take some kind of action. I mean, we've had Oco now for what for over a year, right? War of the Spark came out in twenty nineteen.
1: I think once it rotates out of standard, they're going to ban it I think because so. that's that's what companies do. <laughs> yeah,
0: but why would they do that though? Because wouldn't that like make it more available for standard players? Wouldn't they like that?
1: No, they don't. They don't care about availability. They want the prices high yeah. because they want. They want when players crack a pack, and they get a super expensive card gotcha. in their pack.
0: Okay, now I understand that now. Yeah, that makes so, sense. Yeah, you, know,
1: you know that's what they want.
0: Yeah, man, it's all wild though. It's all wild. It is. It is. But did you have the link for the uh the challenge? Uh, I had it. Hold on, I, I lost it. Let me find it real quick. This is the metagame analysis from the thirtieth, done by our friend uh, uh, Volrath XP, aka Joe. So yeah, so the the challenge from the thirtieth had fifty seven players in it, which seems pretty low uh, for a Saturday challenge. Um, and uh, Joe Dyer, uh, Volrath XP writes for Goldfish. He's been on the, sh- the show a few times. Uh, is doing this cool like metagame, uh, kind of like a deep dive into the metagame there. Um, and I don't know how complete the data is that he has here um let me see what he has though so he breaks it down by archetype and the archetypes he has are graveyard land-based or fair green sun stuff mid-range slash control non-blue other permanent combo spell combo stompy tempo vile decks and then he has sub archetypes also here this is pretty cool actually they have quite a bit of uh Information. I don't actually understand what all these headings mean, though. Like, MLE? Is this, like, uh, the win rate in the mirror? Win, win rate? I don't know what that is. MIR. But I'll link it in the uh, show notes. It's pretty cool, actually. Oh, they have the top 32 standings here as well. So, the top 8 from the uh, 30th challenge was... Let's see. Starting in 8th uh, was Jundillion on Hogak. We had seventh was Hull Breacher Snoco, 6th was Snoco, uh, fifth was Hull Breacher Snowco. fourth was fourth was Sneak and Show, yeah, so all the Snocos, yeah, fourth was Sneak and Show, third was Blue Sun uh, Blue Zenith, uh, second was Bomberman, and first was Omnitail.
1: Oh, it's nice. I mean, Sneak and Show's been making a comeback. I have I played a bunch of leagues with it mm-hmm. uh, two weeks ago, and I was impressed with it. I was pretty easily going like 4-1 um, with uh, Sneak and Show. It definitely felt like the meta was a little soft to it, mm-hmm. and I think we can definitely see that here with Omnitel winning and then JPA coming in with a Sneak and Show variant in fourth place. Right, right uh what's this is this blue zenith deck high tide what's the uh, yeah list? i'm not a sure is the thing
0: that's the only bummer is that because it's not like the uh typical deck list thing where you can just click on the deck um they don't have it here i haven't seen i haven't seen that the uh the challenge lists Masumaru. Yet. let's check goldfish uh
1: it says according to goldfish he was playing snowco
0: oh okay interesting
1: yorian sky nomad oh yeah so blue i was thinking blue sun zenith but really this is just a green sun zenith deck with uh Snoko with oh. a bunch of blue cards <laughs> okay I thought it was <laughs> that's why it's called <laughs> yeah i also thought it was blue sun zenith oh. but no no it's just green sun zenith uh it's basically an oko deck that it's it's like maverick and o- Snoko smashed into one deck okay with a, Yuri and Sky Nomad. Gotcha. So, slightly more interesting than Snoko, but still pretty much just Snoko lines of play. Yep. Man, I was really excited for a Blue Sun Zena deck to come in top <laughs> Man, I can't
0: believe how many ticks some of these Snoko decks are. thirteen, Almost 1,400 ticks for one of these decks. It's insane. Yeah, that's like crazy. A, absolutely crazy.
1: So... Basically, the top eight was five Snowco decks, two Sneak and Show, and a Bomberman. Yep. Yeah, I'm not surprised turnout's low.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, the meta, and they also have, like, a metagame somewhere here. 15% of decks are Snowco decks, 12.5% are Hogak, and then yeah. nine, 9% are other. But again, like, this is, you know, this is the top uh, two, it looks like.
1: Looking at the comments, Joe mentioned that uh, this is actually the lowest uh, lowest Saturday challenge uh, since they've started collecting data on it. Okay,
0: so that's good to know. Um, I mean, I did. I did. That's one of the things that stuck out to me. I'm glad to know that, that I was. Uh, it.
1: Yeah, uh, it, it is definitely a low turnout. But then also, someone jumps in and also mentions that. Uh, At the same time, there was also a PTQ on Magic Online, so a lot of players were probably playing in the PTQ, and also, apparently, there's a bunch of bugs that got introduced with the most recent patch. I know uh, Alex Gardner Gardner was super uh, pissed on the Facebook group. Oh, isn't there an anime uh, dead bug? Yeah, World Gorge of Dragon is straight up unplayable right now because Animate Dead resets the game on cast. No.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> or oh, I'm sorry, it's not on cast. It's on uh, the Entry to Battlefields. It's just like if you cast Animate Dead on World Gorge of Dragon, the game just crashes and oh resets. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Much like when you play World Gorge of Dragon in paper. <laughs> um. Oh, and then also apparently there's an Uro trigger right now where even if uh, Uro is turned into an elk with uh, Oko, it still gets its attack triggers. (laughs) 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 Which is, that's still pretty good. That's awesome.
0: so stupid.
1: (laughs) uh, So yeah, man.
0: Yeah, if it's all Oko decks, I don't think I have a big desire to play against Oko decks. Um neither do I. Yeah. I
1: mean, that's why I, that's why I played vintage. I mean, I think that's kind of yeah, well, while we're a legacy podcast, I think that's all we want to say about legacy I know, this it's so sad. It's so sad. <laughs> um I mean, it's it's the ebb and flow of all formats. No, yeah, it happens of to all formats, and and that's why magic is awesome. It has lots of formats that you can try mm-hmm. out while your favorite format
0: is garbage. Yep. <laughs> yep. I'm hoping I get to do some call time drafts. Like I, I really want to learn how to draft, man. Uh, I need someone to teach me how to draft because I don't I don't really get it.
1: Yeah. So I did a call time draft, and uh, I liked it. It's just the Viking flavor was not really coming through to me. Mm-hmm. But I feel that has to do with... Is that because there were uh, no Viking cards? Well, drafting on Magic Online, I think, is what it really comes down to. Oh. Um, Like, when I like draft and really getting into the flavor of the set, Mm -hmm. you just can't beat paper. Because, like, holding the card and, like, really getting close and looking at the art and just, like, pouring over the cards is, like, really how I experience the flavor Mm -hmm. and just... Like, I'm a very efficient Magic Online player in that, you know, <laughs> my card sizes are pretty small, yep. and I just, like, hover over the tooltip to get the text of the card yep. if I'm not sure on the text. Yep. So, like, the flavor doesn't really translate as well to me. Yeah. Um, as a draft format, it was it was kind of weird and interesting. I, don't, I only did one draft, so I don't really have an opinion one way or another, but... Um, Mana was mana fixing was very easy. Mm-hmm. Like I I was I went three colors because I got a I started off blue red and then I got some uh, like blue black bombs so I just splashed black uh, and I had no trouble splashing colors. There's a lot of mana fixing at common. Um, and the other thing I noticed is it seems to really revolve around medium sized creatures. Mm-hmm. Just like a ton of three threes and four fours. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I made a uh, I made a giant deck. Uh, I had a I had a sweet combo that I was able to pull off. Um, I had this one. I got this one rare. It's like two red red for a three four giant. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, all giants do double damage. So, if a giant you control would deal damage, it deals double that damage instead. And then I got another rare, I forget what it's called, but it was an artifact for four, and it's all creatures you control have changeling. Yep. And then pay three and tap, make a 2-2 two two changeling token. So now all my giants basically get uh double strike, well, minus the first strike portion of it, <laughs> plus right. all my creatures are giants. So. <laughs> awesome.
0: I, I, was able to,
1: I was able to ride that combo to a couple victories.
0: Nice, that's awesome.
1: Uh, but yeah, I mean, I had fun. I'll, I'm definitely going to fire up some more drafts, and uh, I like I I usually do this like once a year. I choose one draft format and just go super hard on that draft format. Mm-hmm. And I love I love Norse mythology, so I'm thinking Cal Time might be that for me. And I think with a few more drafts, maybe the flavor will start to show through. Um, yep. But I'm definitely going to fire up some more drafts and, and go to town on some Cal Time.
0: Nice. I might uh I might try to draft it. I'll have to ask Ian. Ian's like uh, out of all my friends probably the most prolific drafter. He just drafts and drafts and drafts. And uh I think I just need someone to like walk me through a couple drafts like like, you know, share screens or whatever just so I get like get the how to do it cuz like I said I've only drafted like a handful of times in my life. And I always feel like I'm fucking up.
1: <laughs> well, maybe maybe we'll do some uh some drafts bat with your your day off and uh
0: I can uh I can walk you through it. That'd be fun. That'd be fun. Just fucking light some money on fire. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Just
1: <laughs> burn those tickets. That's why...
0: Yeah. I, Speaking of burning tickets, are you into GameStop at all? Are you <laughs> buying some of that GME?
1: I, I invest, Pat. I don't gamble.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I do love, like, the... I was listening to an NPR... I don't know if it was NPR or the Times, Uh, like, the New York Times podcast today. And they were talking about how, like, the... You know, like, these like small time investors, all the people working, you know, kind of like in, in tandem because of like the subreddit being able to like, you know, make these moves together, just like fucked a bunch of like, like multi-billion dollar hedge funds out of so much money. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. I know you probably get comment on it because of your... Because of your actual like career, but uh, uh, I fucking, no, I mean it's it's so it's funny.
1: super interesting. I we talk about it on my my work podcast actually. Um, yep. You know, it's definitely something that's never happened before. But it was kind of seems like obvious it would happen in hindsight. Um, just kind of shows, I think probably the best description of the whole scenario I saw was like, so it was like some screenshot of a tweet and it was just, uh, you know, Wall Street was not prepared for the generation that grew up with highly coordinated Friday night wow raids.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so did you see they, they paid to have like a, a to, like a 40 foot billboard in times I Square? <laughs>
1: GM ego <brr. laughs> there's billboards all over the country people
0: out. Oh. Dude, that's awesome. honestly. I think those that's people
1: awesome. who did that, they might get into some trouble because that's like because Wh- that's technically like advertise. Like, GameStop right now is is like a classic pump and dump scheme. Yep. Um, and pump and dump schemes are illegal, so the people who bought those billboards might be getting a uh, knock on their door from the SEC. Really? Oh yeah. Huh.
0: I mean, interesting. So, like, you're not allowed to like hype up a stock. If you have a vested interest in it hype- getting hyped up and then dumping all your, your your stock, basically. Well, they do have vested interest in it,
1: right? They all own shares of GME.
0: Was, yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like, it's, a, it's illegal to, like, make, to, like yes. get people excited and buy the stock that you have just so you can dump it? Ye- yes. <laughs> that's illegal? Why would that not be illegal? <laughs> well, isn't that, like, isn't that what, like, these big, like... Uh, like multi-billion-dollar like hedge funds do too. They they like they work coordinate together with a bunch of other people's money, and like fucking is not exactly what they do. Yeah, though? but Pat, they have money, so they're allowed to do that. Oh, so it's only the guys who don't have a lot of money aren't allowed to yeah, do that. Yeah, of course.
1: Why do you think uh congressmen okay. are allowed to insider trade all day long but Martha's
0: Yeah, man. Like there's got to be something there has to be something done about that. I I really think that as a congressperson, like you shouldn't be allowed to Oh, like, congress? Do anything on the stock we market. We
1: definitely should have a law in place where congress members are not allowed to trade stocks like ETFs only. Yeah. That I can't believe it's not a law yet
0: and like or like you can like have vanguard like vanguard funds seem like pretty re- like reasonable right because it's you don't really pick what yeah. You have in there. it's e- like you're ETF, betting on the market itself yeah any mutual
1: fund like congress people should not allow yeah. be allowed to get individual stocks
0: yep they need to divest i think they need to divest uh, well we had that in our in our we have a group jerry and i have a group chat with a bunch of other other degenerates and uh we were talking about this and like the first thing i thought of was like we need to get money out of poly- like put like uh you know corporate money out of politics, because I think it's fucking ruining everything. Yeah.
1: And, uh, I mean, that's honestly the best outcome of this. Like, honestly, everyone, all the retail investors who invest in GME are going to, uh, and also, full disclosure, I have no shares of GME. I have no conflicts of interest here. Um, uh, like, there's gonna be a black hole left where a lot of these retail investors' accounts were when this whole thing pops, mm-hmm. and all these bag holders are gonna get stuck with kind of just worthless GME stock. So, like, hmm. the SEC, I see, is, you know, after this all, the dust settles, the SEC is going to come in, and we're going to see some new regulations in place, and, you know, it's it's not going to turn out well for the retail investors, is my prediction. And hmm. the only upside of this whole scenario I see is that people are actually waking up again. You would think 2008 would be enough, but I guess we need to reiterate this lesson again 10 years later, mm-hmm. um, Yeah, that the you know, system is rigged against retail investors. And I feel bad for Robin hood because honestly, I think Robin hood is, is being the scapegoat in this scenario. Um, you know, Robin hood is basically stuck between a rock and the hard place between a ton of angry retail investors. And then also following the sec regulations and the sec regulations is what kind of put them in this situation in the first place. So, Hmm. I, I don't like seeing people really get mad at uh, the brokerage firms. It's not just Robinhood either. Like, people were pissed off at other firms that were limiting trades. Um, right, right, You know,
0: really that... But wasn't that done, like, isn't the SEC the one who, like, basically asked them to do that?
1: It, not publicly, and that's the problem. Okay. And, and right. that's the thing. SEC does this all the time. Brokerage firms get taps on the shoulder and asked to come into the back room by the SEC all the mm-hmm. time. And... Uh, you know that's not really something these brokerage firms can then diclo- disclose in a in a press release. Yeah, um, seems so like, weird. To honestly, me. what should happen is the SEC and the exchange should have halted trading. Like that is what should have happened, but yeah. instead they tapped these brokerage firms on the shoulder and told them, you know, hey, you gotta you gotta limit these trades, and and right. now the, these brokerage firms are taking the fall, and it really sucks that that a lot of people's anger is getting directed at these firms, and in reality. You know, people should be getting pissed off at the system. You know, in the first place, GameStop never should have been shorted this much in the first place. You know, 160% Mm -hmm. short on the float is absurd. You know, we have regulation. And that's what also kills me. The SEC is going to put in a bunch of regulations that no one's going to listen to anyways. Because in 2005, the SEC passed a regulation that was supposed to prevent this situation from happening in the first place, which means you're not allowed to naked short, which is What happened with GameStop, you know, they shorted more shares than existed. Um, So, like, we have these regulations, just no one listens to them, no one follows to them. So, look, we're in this same situation again. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... I don't know. I am staying completely out of it. I do not own any GME shares. I'm you know keeping a 10-foot pole away from all of that. I do not want anything to do with the situation, but I think there's going to be some pretty upset people when the dust settles and the SEC is going to yeah. make a bunch of toothless regulations that really screw over retail investors more than anyone else. My my right. only hope is that the silver lining is people kind of wake up to what a what a rigged system it is and you know maybe we can actually get some real changes in place
0: mm mm-hmm. Yeah. Seems like... Yeah, it seems like... Uh, I mean, it, it like you said, it, it kind of just exposes how like the rules are, aren't really there for the little guy, the, or for the big guys. The rules are there for the little guys, you know? So... <laughs> um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, we will see. It's been entertaining, though, at the very least. Like, I do love... I do love, like, just a bunch of random people in a subreddit that's memeing their way into making like tens of thousands of dollars I think it's pretty great but well but there has to be a bottom here right at some point people are going to start selling their stocks and someone's going to be left holding the bag yeah. and it's not going to be it's the the multi-billionaires aren't gonna it's not going to matter to them as like it will to someone who like took their six hundred dollar stimmy check that was supposed to go to their <laughs> rent and like decided to meme it up on reddit and now they're now they're holding the bag for that but yep. Yeah.
1: It is actually really funny seeing the correlation between magic prices and stock market prices, especially with mm-hmm. these more like meme stocks and uh, things like Bitcoin, um, you know, underground, underground seas I saw on the indexes hit about a thousand dollars, which, you know, obviously isn't like real prices for underground seas. They they trade on like in between like trade groups and Facebook pages and stuff like that for much lower. But like mm-hmm. the retail price on underground sea was was hitting a thousand dollars. And. Yeah. We see this constantly that when Bitcoin goes up and when, you know, these things like GameStop happen, where these like, uh, internet-savvy, culturally savvy just, you know, the Venn diagram overlap of the population of Magic players and people who invest in these sorts of things. <laughs> when when mm-hmm. when that Venn diagram overlap and those stocks or securities really appreciate in price, we see so many people liquidate and move those funds over into Magic cards. Yeah. And we see spikes in Magic yeah. card prices. So, yeah. it, it, honestly, I think the uh, Magic cards should be used as a new financial indicator to, uh, <laughs> you know, understand the health of the meme stock market market (laughs) yeah yep. Yep. oh that's awesome yeah so if you did make a bunch of money off gamestop i recommend getting into some vintage cards because (laughs) i played my first vintage league pad and i had a blast yeah how was what did you play so i wanted to go with kind of just the simplest thing uh so i sleeved up uh ravager shops which is basically like the mud deck of Vintage. It uses Mishra's Workshop, which it taps for three colorless mana, but that mana can only be spent to cast Artifacts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just has a bunch of like Trinisphere and Thorn of Amethyst and Resistance Sphere, so just a bunch of taxing effects, uh, Lodestone Golem. And then it just wins the game by smashing face with Arcbound Ravagers and Walking Ballistas and Oh uh, wow. like found, Foundry Chief and... So it's a very, for vintage, like it's a very straightforward, like it's, it's basically kind of, it plays a lot, kind of like, uh, uh, Eldra, like colorless Eldrazi plays where you just mm-hmm. like play a bunch of mana ramp, play some taxing effects to slow your opponent down and then smash face with big creatures. Yep. Um, and I had a blast. I went two and three. Uh, I didn't really know the format at all. So I definitely made some pretty obvious misplays in hindsight that, uh, mm-hmm. I, I can definitely learn from. Um, but I would say my biggest grief with uh, Ravager Shops is it has no card draw. I was, like, constantly running out of gas. And then oh, really? running out of gas is not great in a format where then your opponent goes, like, mystical tutor for ancestral recall, ancestral recall, <laughs> and to dig through time. And I'm just like, yep. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I had a lot of fun. I'm definitely going to play some more vintage. Uh, it's definitely a cool format. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I'm going to be continuing with Ravager Shops, but it was a good kind of like intro deck to just try the format out.
0: Nice, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I, I know Roland asked us on the the last show he was on with us. It was like, hey, is if Vintage something you want to play? I'm like, oh, it's just like a daunting, like just learning a whole format, like cards that I've never never played with. But uh, it seems awesome. Seems like a good time.
1: Yeah, it's just, and the thing I like is it's short. Like, Roland was right. I think I finished my league of five matches in, like, an hour and a half. Really? Yeah, just burned through a league. And I know people complain about Vintage because they feel like Vintage is a turn one format mm-hmm. where you just, like, the game's over before you even get a turn. Um, that actually didn't happen to me once. Really? Um, there, there wasn't a single turn one game. And while the games were short, like most games were over by turn three or four, mm-hmm. a lot gets packed into those turns. So it's it's deceiving that like the turn count is low, but honestly you do play a full game of magic. It's just that full game of magic is compacted into just a couple turns. Mm-hmm. Um, just because like the acceleration is insane. So right. I mean it, it honestly feels like kinda like magic condensed. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> um but yeah no it's fun i'm definitely gonna play some more that's awesome
0: that is awesome what what deck do you think you're getting to next
1: um i want to try out uh well i feel uh oh the druids is probably the closest thing to like my playstyle. Yeah, totally but it doesn't seem like it's very good right now um paradoxical outcome looks like a ton of fun mm-hmm. um also when i played against Bryant cook he was playing underworld breach okay and you know that is actually something I'm already familiar with because I played that deck when it was legal in Legacy before Breach got uh, banned. Mm-hmm. So, that I feel like I kind of already have a little bit of leg up with that I already understand the lines of play. So, I might try to give that a try. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to play blue Xerox because blue Xerox I feel is like the most entertaining deck to play, yeah. but it's also the most expensive and I do not have the, uh, the float with mana traders in order to rent that oh. deck yet. So. <laughs> what is
0: it? The Renin 6 that puts you over the top? <laughs> yeah. Well, like why are Renin 6 is so expensive? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's not even legal. It's only legal in, uh, in vintage, in vintage. This point, right? <laughs>
1: Yeah, because I'm pretty sure it's banned in EDH yeah, $200, too. So two hundred dollars,
0: two hundred dollars for three Ren and Six on Magic Online. Yeah, literally only legal in vintage. Ancestral costs three fifty. Yeah, that looks like the, that looks like the like the biggest like ticket item here. And the force, actually Force negations are super expensive too. Wow.
1: Yeah, Force Negations are twice as expensive on Magic Online than they are in paper. Like wow. I went I went to Gaming, Excited to pick up my uh Force Negations and I was ready to shell out a big time and then I got there and I'm like, "Oh, these are so cheap." Yeah, they're more than really, twice it, as expensive as a
0: Force of Will. Yeah, that's great. Like Force Negations are just super expensive yeah. on Moda. 174 for two of them. That's crazy. Yeah, it looks like the like the bulk of this deck is like in the Uros, the Renin Sixes, and the Force of Negations, Force of Wills. Everything else is pretty cheap money. That's funny. Right. That's funny. Yeah. Hmm. This seems like a deck that you would like though, the Xerox deck.
1: It does. Like it looks like my exact playstyle, and I guarantee you I mean that's why it's probably the most expensive deck, is probably a lot of other people's it's,
0: favorite. It deck seems style, like too. pretty grind like pretty I mean I, I say grindy, but it's running a bunch of Moxen, but like between, like, Deathrite Shaman and Uro, like, and, and Ren and Six, those seem like kind of grindy cards to me. Yep. You know? Yeah, for sure. And for Oko. Sure. Ugh, you're playing all the mistakes in this deck. Uro, Ren and yeah. Six, Oko. Well, it's just because Oko and Uro are just the
1: best, like, haymakers for a Xerox deck right now. Right, right. Like, the Xerox core has stayed pretty similar for decades at this point. It's just, you're basically playing the core plus whatever the best haymaker in the format is, mm-hmm. and... Oko Uro are just hands down the best haymakers. You know, it's it's just, it's an inescapable truth, unfortunately. Right,
0: right. I mean, it's probably fine in a format like, like Vintage, but I just don't like their effect on Legacy. That's all. No. Yeah, for sure.
1: Oh, hopefully it'll get banned soon and we can play some, some Legacy.
0: Yeah, well, today was Monday, so it won't be, won't be today, but maybe in a few weeks. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's true. All right. Well, is there anything else you want to go over before we start wrapping it up? I know we kind of have a short episode this week, but we just don't have a ton to talk about, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, I guess that's it. Not much going on. So it'll be a short one this week. All right.
0: Well, I got a few shout outs real quick if we can do that. Yeah, let's do Uh, it. So we had a a couple new uh, patron uh, – sorry. A couple new patron – Patreon supporters. Wow. Okay. Um, So Trent Bowers, wanted to thank them. Uh, Evan Miller. And then uh, Faya Ballard uh, up there, up there uh, donation on the uh, the Patreon. So I just wanted to shout out those three people. Thank you very much for uh, supporting the show. If you need to get on the Discord, uh, shoot us a message. We'll get you a link for that. Um, I guess I think that's actually buried on the Patreon page somewhere. But uh, but yeah, we really appreciate the support. And uh, and that's it. That's it. I, I just wanted to shout out those, those patrons because it's been a couple of weeks, and uh, they build up in my inbox, and then I want to give them their uh, their thank yous. You know, for sure. Should we do some scoops? Yeah, let's do scoops in the top eight, Jerry. Who are you scooping in the top eight this week?
1: I am scooping in myself because I had the foresight to go food shopping and do a bunch of chores before the uh, snow. <laughs> so thank you, past Jerry, for making present Jerry's life a little bit easier. That's awesome.
0: I'm a, I'm a, um, a constant procrastinator, and I always just dump stuff, uh, stuff on future Patrick's plate because he's a dick. Fuck that guy. So I don't ever do anything. I, ever do anything. Uh, I did do all my grocery shopping yesterday, but uh, but yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Yep. Any poops? Uh, n- no poops?
1: Uh, my poops this week is uh, shoveling. Shoveling? We got, yeah, we got a lot of shoveling to do, Pat. Don't you, have, get out don't you have an apartment? Yeah, but I still go over to my parents' house uh, and
0: shovel Oh, you're parents. such a good kid, Jerry. I know. Look at you. I'm a saint. I'm a saint. That's good. Yeah, I, uh, I this year is the first year that I've actually been using a plow service to do my driveway because the way that like, all the storms work yeah, out. Yeah, your
1: driveway was, is huge and slanted, yes. and I feel like I would fall on my ass all the yes, time. Yes, it, is,
0: it can be pretty driveway. treacherous, and for years I did it. I snowblowed it and shoveled it myself, but uh, lately it seems like all the snow comes like overnight, and so I don't have time to, to obviously sh- you know, you know, shovel or snowblow before I leave for work in the morning. Because I'd have to do that at, like, 3 a.m., and I'm not that kind of neighbor. And so by the time I get home in the afternoon, like, it's already been driven on a bunch of times. It's like a sheet of ice. Uh, It's just a nightmare. So I've been using, like, a plow service, and it's, like, I don't know, 30 bucks, 35 bucks every time. And it's, like, so worth it. Saves me hours of snow blowing and shoveling and stuff, and it's been great. That's not
1: bad. That's actually what my dad does. My dad retired, and now he uh, he just has a truck with a, a uh, plow on it, and he just uh, goes around and plows during the winter for some extra cash.
0: Oh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I, uh, getting a plow is something I, I always consider doing. Like, I might end up eventually getting a pickup truck just because, like, I'll have my own side of business, and, like, it's a nice tax write-off, so getting a big, like, Ford F-350. And uh, I think I might just put a plow on the front. Like, why, why not, right? Like, you can make a ton of money. Fucking just. Snow plowing. They only need people to plow yep. driveways. So, No, for sure. Yeah. It's uh, that white money, that white dollars. Yep. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, it's so funny. I, I see on Facebook and I see the people groaning about the snow and then the other people just going, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's like the only people who are excited about giant snowfalls that aren't little kids who get school canceled is people who plow. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm stoked about it. I, I, I love snowstorm. I mean, I, it's part of the reason I love li- living in New England, man, is like I love the snow. I also love the summer. I love all the seasons, but I do enjoy big snowstorms. It's like, uh, I think they sent both my kids home. Both my kids got dismissed early today because of the snow. And they sent them both home with their Chromebooks. And they're like, oh, we'll probably go remote tomorrow. And I told both my kids, I was like, if you have a snow day tomorrow and they expect you to be remote learning, I said, don't even show up to class. Just go outside and play in the snow at at your grandmother's house. Like, I don't want you in school, like... Dude, with all the things these kids have had taken away from them in the last fucking year, yeah, like snow days should not be one of the things.
1: Exactly. I mean, global warming's going to take it away from them anyways. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of enjoyment. Well, listen, like
0: eventually life rips snow days away from you anyway, right? Like eventually you're 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 my our age, Jerry, and you just have to shovel your shit and get to work anyway. So, um right? Yeah. So real. Yeah. So it's. uh we're gonna get like a foot and a half of snow, and I told I told both the kids, and they're like Liam was especially like nervous. He's like, "But my teacher's gonna expect me to be there." I was like, "Tell her to call me. She has my number. She has my email. She can get a hold of me. I have no problem telling her why I'm not sending you to school, sending you remote learning that day."
1: Tell her the Wi Fi signal can't get through the snow. No, I'm gonna say the Wi Fi is great. They can watch as much Netflix
0: as they want after they've been out in the snow for six hours. Uh, but no, listen, and listen, I just. I don't believe in it, man. I understand it's probably it's likely a cost cutting measure for the schools because they have to have people at the schools longer, you know, for the, to cover those snow oh, days. Oh yeah, because
1: but, every snow day they call, they have to tack on at it, the end of the exactly,
0: year. Exactly, exactly. But you know what? Like, I don't give a shit. I don't care. Like, we've been, been doing it this way for sixty years. We should do it the same way for another sixty years. So, um, yeah, I I, uh, I strongly believe that kids should be allowed snow days, especially with all the shit that's been going on. Like, let them get out in the snow and have fun.
1: Come on. For
0: sure. New England tradition. I can agree man. to that.
1: I can agree to that. Yeah.
0: Anyway, that's my that's my rant. Uh, I have uh, scoops this week. I'm going to scoop you and Jerry. Uh, and you covered for me. I had some stuff going on personally, so I, I wasn't able to record a show. And then I almost slept through one one recording with Roland. And, uh, <laughs> and so I've <clears throat> been a, a little checked out the last few weeks. But I wanted to just say thank you for carrying the torch and, uh, and, and being patient with me. And uh, I'm back, and I'm excited to be uh, – Said so to be back in the saddle, man. I'm ready to go, and uh, and that's it. I got no poops this week. Well, only good Hell stuff. Only good stuff.
1: Yeah, sounds good.
0: Awesome. Man. Sounds good. All right. Well, uh, let's see. Uh, we'll catch you guys on the Facebook page. Um, obviously, you can find us on Twitter. All that stuff's in the show notes. Uh, I don't really go on Twitter anymore, but if you want to message the show there, I always respond. Um, you can find us on Patreon, of course, and um, email us leaving a legacy at hipstersofthecoast.com. And as always, shout out to Justin. He's our audio tech, our sound engineer. And uh, I actually you know what I just found out that he has the world record for building the world's largest snowman, which I thought was pretty cool. Wow. When you build a snowman, Jerry, are you a two ball guy or a three ball guy?
1: You know, I was always a more avant-garde uh, snowman builder, uh, Pat. Mm-hmm. I didn't build snowmen; I built, uh, you know, various sculptures. <laughs> I, I wouldn't let my creative, artistic snow sculpting be restricted to just the the typical snowman.
0: Okay, so all right, so that was that was like a softball question. I just wanted to know if you <laughs> built a snowman with two or three balls, because I had like a little an- like a little anecdote for that. But it's fine. Oh, okay, you fuck can, me. No, 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 it, it's no, it's fine. Fuck me. Fine. All right guys, we'll catch you all next week. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> oh,
1: good stuff.